Uh, well, I know you all really want to listen to me talk about Final Fantasy fourteen again. Now that I've finished Stormblood, the second expansion, level 70, trucking along to the, the end, catching up before Endwalker comes out. Garrett wants spoilers. I don't really care about the story anymore. <laughs> oh, what? That's... Yeah, after too many people fake die and come back to life, I'm I'm checked out. And with that, welcome to the Co-Hops Podcast, episode 16. Uh, I'm Garrett, and as always, we have host Nick. Hello. And Zach. Howdy, howdy. Today, beer of the episode has been chosen by Nick. So Nick, why don't you lead us off? This is a, a classic. It's an old favorite. You can find it at uh, on tap at most bars in the Washington area that that I know of. Uh, it is Quilter's Irish Death from uh, Iron Horse Brewery in Ellensburg um, uh, over in eastern Washington. Uh, it is a dark, smooth ale. I could have sworn it was a porter, but it's not called a porter. It is a dark, smooth ale, so there must be something about being a certified porter that it doesn't have. But, it's um, a smooth brain ale. Yeah, you don't know about your smooth ales? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um smooth brain ale <laughs> exactly <laughs> but uh this is this is a favorite it's pretty heavy it's 7.8 abv so it's pretty um intoxicating as well but this is a a great bang for your buck sort of on tap beer to get because it's uh quite heavy so it could be part of your meal uh and it's high abv so you don't need a lot of them just what we need for 80 degree weather is uh, a heavy beer yeah i didn't maybe <laughs> time it properly but uh say lovey now speaking of on tap i have it from tap i i got a, a, a little smidgen a cup's worth from from my uh, local uh market they have a uh, some beers on tap and i went to go get a growler filled and they ran out so they gave oh. me what they had which was about a cup's worth so yeah. I also have some bottles to try, so I'll have a direct comparison, I guess. Not bad. Hopefully the dregs aren't too bad. No, all it is is just a cup of foam. <laughs> <laughs> they went to pull it, and it just went... Hey, you got want, one cup's worth. You want this? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you guys think of it so far? Have you ever had this before, Garrett? I must have, because it tastes very familiar, but I probably haven't had it in maybe 10 years. I've never wow. had this. Um, I don't know that I've ever... Oh, oh, you know what? I have had um, a variation of this, though. I've had the PB in death. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Which I can't remember if I liked it or not. I just remember I had it. <laughs> There's <laughs> I, a peanut butter version? Yeah, I think it was a uh, something I drank at the tail end of a long night of drinking other things, and so I don't uh. really remember the taste of it much. Uh, oh, that sounds like a horrible way to cap off a drinking night is to have a dark, smooth ale with peanut butter. Well, listen. That's wait. about as heavy as it gets. When you've been drinking and you're playing games, you run inside to grab beer and that's all that's left, you're going to grab it. Sure. You're not wrong, Zach. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as far as the taste of this goes, um, very chocolatey, I think. Mm-hmm. It is smooth. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's smooth. It's uh, pretty weedy as well. It's not as heavy as I... Uh, remembered it being, but it's still pretty heavy. 
I was just gonna say, I for from the look of it, it looks like uh, like motor oil. I, I've used that before for another <laughs> really thing that we had, but this really does share that similar visual quality. And um, you know what it looks like is Dr Pepper. Yeah, with the bubbles. You yeah. know, okay, I have to say something real fast. So when we were <laughs> speaking of Dr Pepper, when <laughs> we were um, when you first suggested this, I went to Beer Advocate. I don't know about you guys if you've ever read the reviews on there but they are comical to me because they're so pretentious wonderful most of them are it's like i bought a six pack of this from safeway in bellevue on this date uh, it's got a best <laughs> buy date of this and i'm just like i don't give a shit about all those details like holy yeah. god but one of them one of the reviews for this the guy wrote out dr pepper like d-o-c-t-o-r and i was like oh, oh. Like it, it was so off-putting to me uh, to see the word "doctor." Yeah, spelled out. downvote his review like immediately. <laughs> I don't even have an How account on that you. website. I just I, I read it, but that's uh, funny. Yeah, um, I, I never Dr. thought it would be so Pepper. so off-putting to see the word "doctor" spelled out. Mm. Yeah, the the Charles Entertainment cheese effect. You, you don't want to <laughs> see it spelled out. Or Yoshisaurus Munchakupis. I don't want to see Charles E. Cheese either. Like it's that's not yeah. even it's not even the entertainment part. It's I don't want to see Charles Cheese. Charles Cheese. <laughs> I think Five Nights at Freddy's has ruined animatronic like real animatronics. I oh, yeah. um, assume that it's gonna try to murder me every time I see one, so I I have this instinct to like sh- strangle it or <laughs> like rip it like disarm it. Like, it probably take its will. Arms off. Like most animatronics at at Charles Cheese are probably not uh, well maintained <laughs> at this point, so it's going to be like yeah. that Nicolas Cage movie. They're coming for you. Yeah, there's a, a YouTube channel called Defunct Land uh, that goes into a lot of history of Disneyland and all the old things that aren't there anymore. And there's a lot of cool stuff about dead animatronics on that channel. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I will second that. They are great, and also Yesterworld. They do this. They do something pretty similar but yeah they're really good deep dives if you just kind of want to get lost Mm in theme park and like weird attraction lore from years and years ago yeah it's cool it's fascinating weird history stuff yeah i would recommend the um the what is it the alien escape one that used to be in um epcot where they try they tried to like make a really scary thing and then they turned it into like lilo and stitch and it was still like (laughs) horrifying but with stitch (laughs) um it's it's got a pretty interesting story oh that's funny i love when things are totally repurposed like that and you can still see the bones of what they were before like silent hill 3 robots yeah yeah like silent hill 3 starting its life as a light gun rail shooter uh and i didn't know that that's that's yeah that's cool you can still see it in some of like the boss design and such um but most that was pretty early on in development that they canned that idea but uh, among the ways that they were trying to make silent hill more action focused i guess semi-related uh just a random question did you guys ever play the resident evil umbrella chronicles on wii yeah it's fine yeah i thought it was actually kind of fun i remember dark playing side it. Is that the chronicles also it is yeah umbrella chronicles and dark side chronicles are the the wii rail, rail shooters i think i may have played them later on ps3 also um i believe they got re-released because there was that time crisis light gun that they had for the ps3 uh, which i also played you mean the ice the ice cream cones oh no it's the, it's a it's a big control. orange 
That's the move controller. Yeah, uh, this is a big orange, like actual gun shaped light gun. Yeah, the uh, Gun Con Three. Uh, gun guess, Con Three. Yeah, that's spo- the name. spoilers for the next section. I picked one up recently. Hey, awesome! <laughs> so, that's cool. <laughs> I own that. Of course you did. And Time Crisis Four. So very cool. I have good memories of that game. I was a sucker for dumb peripherals back when that came out. You must have loved like the Genesis and the PS One with their just absurd amount, and like the Dreamcast. <laughs> just you have a I fishing pole controller. Ooh, I would have if I had been playing games around that time. But I started in the GameCube era, so that was a little before my time. Zach, you keep making faces as you drink the beer. What's I, wrong? I well, it's the bottom of the keg, so I think it might <laughs> might be affecting the flavor. Because yeah. the first couple of sips I took were not that bad, but like these last couple I've taken, it's just got a really funky flavor. So I'm, I'm gonna have to just power through this and pour out of the bottle here in a sec. Yeah, good yeah, idea. Chug it. Free beer bites back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> huh. Well, uh, why don't we get into what we've been playing and collecting and such? Sure. Yeah. If you guys don't mind, I'll jump in first just because I don't have a lot. Um, Great. I haven't uh, actually been playing that much. I've been watching. Uh, most of my free time has been watching Twin Peaks with my wife at Nick's suggestion like yes. a year ago. <laughs> and uh, uh, I won't say much about it because this is not a, a TV show uh, podcast, but it's really fucking weird. It's um, so bizarre. It's, it's super my, confusing. It's my favorite. And I don't understand what's happening. It's my favorite work of surrealist fiction, and it definitely has its influences in video games. Like uh, I think Control and Alan Wake are probably the the easiest parallels. Uh, um, the the big one is probably Deadly Premonition. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Deadly Premonition basically just copyright infringed on the Twin Peaks story <laughs> and did it worse. I'm not a big fan of Deadly Premonition, but I think that's largely because I experienced Twin Peaks first, and so it all just felt like it was just aping that style. Um, but yeah, Alan Wake. I, I didn't like it because it's a terrible game. Oh yeah, it's also <laughs> horrible, but but it's horrible yeah. in a way that has charm unless you see the threads of like, yeah, they just stole all these ideas. Garrett's like, charm and glitches? No, thank you. <laughs> I'm a um, I'm a person who likes bad movies, so I am not unfamiliar with charm from something oh. being terrible. But uh, that I game like bad is movies as well, sir. Excellent. But I don't like to play bad movies. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I, I d- d- just don't get me wrong. I sat through Birdemic. <laughs> Ooh, that's a particularly spicy uh, meatball. Troll, there, troll two. There's a particularly and... good uh, riff tracks of Birdemic that you guys should watch. I am never putting that in front of my eyes again. It no. was the worst thing I've ever seen in my whole That's life. That's the only and way the I've sound, ever seen it was the Rift Tracks version. The sound design, <laughs> the bird sounds are just ear splitting. Um, but well, let's pivot because we went to <laughs> movie show podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, moving yeah, right look, moving back, uh, I'll, I'll wait for garrett to mention one of the things which is uh, pokemon unite we'll jump more in when he when he gets to that but the only other thing i've been playing uh i started very very little bit like 30 minutes of planescape torment for the uh the show for the way too late review and uh otherwise the only thing i've played is skyward sword hd i mentioned that uh, last episode having picked that up and it's very interesting uh, the way that they do the controls with buttons because it was a motion game and so there are aspects of it that are hard to wrap my brain around, and I still constantly fumble after, I don't I haven't played a lot, like maybe two hours, but 
to move the camera, for example, you hold the L button. And that is because to attack, you use the right analog stick uh, without pressing any buttons. And so I'm oftentimes like going to move the camera and I just like slash something. And uh, it's. <laughs> well, how about the feature when it comes up and tells you if you buy this special amiibo, <laughs> I did, you can save it anytime. I did find that pretty comical that it's it, it just flat out tells you if you have a special amiibo, you can you get extra things. I'm like, ah, that feels a little you, gross, but. At least it's <laughs> relatively easy to spoof those uh, oh, yeah. amiibos and just get any old NFC chip to, uh, to do it, um, which I. I never have used any of these, but I got familiar with them uh, when uh, Breath of the Wild had come out, and there were all kinds of special Zelda amiibos, like the Majora's Mask one, that were hard to find. Yeah, if you pay $350 for all the Zelda amiibos, you get cool stuff in the game. (laughs) Uh, My friend bought an NFC spoofer, and uh, he just printed them out for me, and I just had these little, little wafers that I would just scan against the thing, and it would work, so... Um, I, I don't know, at least so far where I'm at, I don't think it is even that big of a deal because there's plenty yeah. of the shrines that you come across. Um, well, did you play it before? Principle. Did you, I, did I you never played it. No, this, this is one of the few that I never, that I never played when it was new. Um, mm-hmm. and that was because, uh, at the time I was pretty low on funds and I couldn't afford new games. And so I just kind of had to skip it. But, and then by the time well, I got one... the game, it was too late. Like, I didn't really feel like playing it at that point. I don't know. Well, and that's the one that, like, that was what debuted the Wii Motion Plus, right? It was, was... one of the things, yeah. It, it, it was... wasn't right at the start because Wii Sports Resort. Wii, Wii was... Sports Resort was right. probably and... the first big title, but it wasn't even the first, yeah. Yeah, there were a couple sports games. Like, Tiger Woods, I think, came out beforehand uh, and supported the Wii Motion Plus. But um, I but got it came, mine... like, bundled, right? It came, it came with a with... gold controller, yeah. And the the Wii Motion Plus came bundled with Wii Sports Resort, if that's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I think the art style holds up really well. It looks great. Like I, I've played it both handheld and on my TV, and I think it, it still looks really good because um, it's got sort of a cartoony vibe. It's not trying to be super realistic, so that ages well yeah. naturally. I've experienced that with like Final Fantasy IX. Um, the cartoony graphics aged really well. Um, all it takes is a little bit of upscaling and it it just looks nice. Yeah. Um, when are they going to move Wind Waker over? Damn it. Did well, they, like, they did on HD Wii U. <laughs> at the end of Wii U's life cycle. And that version was so at good. The beginning. Yeah, I It know. cuts out so much of the chaff, which Wind I Waker, hope is what happened with Skyward Sword. Also, Wind Waker because... being a top three Zelda game for me, I would absolutely love for it to make its way to Switch eventually. That'd be so awesome. Me too. It was one of my first. Um, it was. It would have been the first if not for the pre-order bonus of uh, Ocarina of Time for GameCube, uh, which I played while I was waiting for Wind Waker to come out. It's so good, and I, I like. It'd be really great if they released both that and the Twilight Princess HD on Switch because both of those are on Wii U, and they're just kind of yeah. like that's that's a system that f- was not popular, right? Like it's uh, undoubtedly a failure, and so. It, most of those big exclusive titles have made their way to the Switch, so I don't know yeah. if we'll Slap see Deluxe it, on there. but fuck, yeah. let's go. Like, come on, Nintendo. I imagine it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Zelda 35th anniversary was like, here's when, here's uh, Skyward Sword HD, and, uh, and uh, Game uh, Breath of the Wild 2 <laughs> is being worked on. Yay. Here's yeah. a brief, brief trailer. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say on Zelda at this point, except for it's interesting. I don't yeah. know if I like it yet. I'm still super early in, but I also don't. Ha- I'm not far enough in to say that I that I don't like it either. So, um, my initial impressions are: it looks great. The controls are weird, and my brain can't get used to them. And that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you guys can go. All right, Nick. Why don't you go, man? Sure. So, um, uh, we've kind of all been playing Pokemon. Oh, Unite, wait. So I'll save that. But Nick, sorry, yes. sorry to interrupt. I was going to mention just very briefly for Planescape Torment. Yes. Uh, I I had a funny moment. I won't go into this too much because uh, obviously we're going to do our review. But mm-hmm. there was a a moment where I spent all this time trying to like find the these items to get turned into a zombie. I'm like, oh great this will be awesome i'll just sneak out of here and i walk into a room and just get massacred by like four dudes immediately they're just on site just murder me and i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah well that didn't go as expected yeah i don't know exactly what happened there i will say that uh that opening hour or so of planescape torment is pretty rough I got hung up there a couple of times trying to play this game, and once I got out of the mortuary, I the game really starts to become what it actually is, but that's a, a pretty bad opening to a pretty great game. So if any of y'all out there are playing along with us, try to just power through the mortuary and get to the town of Vigil itself, uh, because it is uh, a lot uh, I'm excited to see if Zach finishes this game, <laughs> or how far he gets into it. We'll Hopefully, see. it's not I crazy you, long. Uh, if you don't go down some of the side paths, I plan to kind of just power through it this time. But there is one specific side path I want to go down to get a character that I had not gotten in my last uh, playthrough that I well, didn't Zach's even gonna know play. Existed. Zach's going to get everything. He's going to go completionist. Uh, and he's going to get every Ultima weapon and fight Bahamut <laughs> at the end. Yes. You know That's how me. the game works, right? You uh-huh. know me, the Platinum Trophy Chaser. Zach. Oh, yes. Yeah, Zach, Zach, Zach Platinum Strong. With zero total Platinums. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Excellent. Um, yeah, and uh, to be to be specific, uh, also, I said it was Vigil. It is actually Sigil, the, the town. But anyway. I didn't even catch that. Ooh. Yep. Negative twelve points. Yep, I'm I'm a fake fan of this video game, man <laughs> yeah, who has tattoo fan. of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it says vigil. So how do you feel? Now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well. In in any case, um, uh, I played a little bit of Monster Hunter Stories too, uh, which Garrett talked about a little bit last week. Um, I am enjoying it so far the combat is really fun and has a depth that i did not quite expect from it especially like referring to it as a rock paper scissors scissors sort of um situation i thought that was more so with the elemental resistances and things but no you get to choose between three different types of attacks and uh your your monsties your little companions that are based on monsters from monster hunter uh they have a predilection for but don't always choose uh one of those particular three types of attacks so you can switch one in and they'll probably do that one but uh you only control your character and it's kind of up to you to work with your monstie which is really cool uh i yeah i i'm enjoying the combat system a lot it's a little slow to get going 
um Mm -hmm. but i think i'll stick with it and keep going through and hopefully uh the systems will unlock more as it goes along and my advice my advice would be um because i just got to where the game kind of opens up which i'm about 17 hours in Um, and it's mainly because i was just exploring and seeing what i can do a lot of the game is locked off until you get to a certain point that i don't want to spoil because it's it's very story heavy cool but uh, once you get to the snow city that's when everything kind of starts to open up which is the third city great and the the game is balanced well enough that if you just pick up like at least one of every type of of monster and one of every type of weapon you'll do fine and you can go through and just blaze through the main quest and then go back and pick up the, because from any board any quest board in any town you can pick up all of the quests that you missed great and Will so do. you just want to ha- yeah you just want to have the quests that like give you um the craft like this is how you craft potions because those are really important i gotta yeah. say but i really I'm- don't like the term monsty yeah i don't like it either, <laughs> either. very uh yeah. but yeah that's 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 what they're called um yeah yeah, it's got it's got a crazy amount of depth and and uh i would say push through get to the snow area and once you get to the snow area it really starts to open up with um the sixth monster that you get and then um uh, (laughs) a bunch of other stuff great uh yeah i'll i'll definitely do that and the the other main thing i've been playing is uh, also on the Switch, I won't belabor it too much because I get the sense that not a lot of people listening either on this Discord call or in the podcast world care that much about visual novels, but I started a recent release called uh, The House in Fata Morgana Dreams of the Revenants Edition, which recently came out for Switch. I understand that this game came out a few years ago uh, in a not as full edition that there's some extra content in this one um but it is straight up a visual novel i have had basically no gameplay to speak of in the first like seven hours um uh and i don't think there will be gameplay in the same sense as say the zero escape games have puzzle rooms or the danganronpa games have Mm. um the murder mysteries i think it's just gonna be basically reading these stories and they're very good stories they're pretty long um but well you're already seven hours in and yeah it yeah does it seem like it's like where is it where how how far along do you think you are so uh i have been vague with my research uh how long to beat puts it at 30 to 40 hours um and long visual novel uh, and so the to avoid spoiling too much, um, you are going through this this house, this sort of ancient house that's weird and magical um, and or cursed. And you are going through different doors and seeing basically a little tragic romance tale in each one. Um, uh, and uh, from what I gather... Uh, there are four of those doors and then the game kind of changes its uh, structure to leave that structure behind uh, and then the other approximately three quarters four fifths of the game happens so i think it's going to be a long ride 
Um, the art is really beautiful. It's, uh, it is a Japanese produced game, but the art is sort of a Gothic European style, almost, um, Hmm. very detailed, very, uh, intricate. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting game. If you are into visual novels and especially like horror and or tragedy stories, um, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I'm enjoying it a whole lot, um, but it has no voice acting and no gameplay, so it is for the di- diehards of the visual novel genre. And did you say this is on Switch? This is on Switch. It recently came out on Switch. I know it is on PC. I'm not sure where else it is uh, is released on, but I can check real quick. And this this name sounds really familiar. Uh, I feel like weren't there like two visual novels that were released by the same studio on the same day for Switch? Or am I just making that up? I think you're thinking of the Famicom Detective Club games, which are remakes of NES visual novel detective. Well, not even NES. They were Famicom never released in the U.S., right? Right. Exactly. Um, Wow. Yeah, check out that game. It recently came to Switch. Uh, I am enjoying it a whole lot. I've gotten really sucked into it, and it is, uh, it's genuinely pretty freaky at times, which is impressive given the uh, limited nature of the tech. Because, like, when I think of, when I think of visual novels, I think of, like, uh, a scene, and then, like, one hyper-detailed drawn character still and then blocks of text that scroll across the screen, and then maybe a second character that comes up that interacts with it. And that's so basically like, what this is. Yeah, and, and I think about um, the fact that you're like, oh, hey, hey you know, this is scary or, or suspenseful, is very... That must be really challenging for that format. Because, I mean, like, for me, when I read a book, like, even reading horror novels, like, I, I read a ton of Stephen King as a kid, um and uh, and you know Bram Stoker's Dracula and like all the like the vamp- bunch of these vampire novels and I never felt like real suspense. I probably have never read anything that has like real dread in it. But I never Ooh. got the sense from reading like looking at a page and reading words that that evoked that type of emotion. I'm a very visual person, so I wonder if the mixture of text with the visuals you know might do something for me rather than just you know, reading text. Yeah. And, uh, I, I would, uh, maybe recommend this to you then, um, because it, it does do some interesting things. And sometimes, um, when it breaks from the strictness of that visual novel formula is when it is most impactful and frightening, um, kind of like Doki Doki literature club, when it does things that you don't expect the like game maker, visual novel plug-in, uh, style of it to be able to do uh, that's when it's most effective because you just don't don't expect it um, likewise this kind of breaks from that format every once in a while and that it, they really choose their moments well but like when curious george pops out of the birthday cake <laughs> exactly it's not a pop-up book zach it's your switch there's no holograms <laughs> yet no solid light material hey that would be unexpected yeah. Yeah, if your Switch could just murder no, you, no. yeah, if, that would be crazy. If huh? Curious George showed up in an anime. That would be what? Visual novel. 
Uh-huh. I've lost. His guest character. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett doesn't know what's happening. He's, he's so I don't lost. Know, I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on on that note, um, that's that's that. Check that out if that type of game is your inclination, but it is only for, for the hardcore uh, people who are able to stomach a game that's entirely text. Um, and so now we get to the game that we've all played at least a little bit of, uh, which is Pokemon Unite. Um, which man that game is fun it I've is never played it yeah um so uh, you um uh you i think were the first to latch on to this so i'll let i'll mm-hmm. let you take it away well i really haven't been a fan of mobas in the past i've played them but almost begrudgingly unless i had a, a, a solid group of people to play with because i find that you have to dedicate a lot of time, even though it's the same thing over and over. There's a lot of game knowledge that you need to have. And so I've always been looking for um, a fun, casual MOBA. And those three things usually don't coexist. Um, Indeed. We tried, pick, we tried pick our hand two of with, the three. <laughs> well, we, we tried our hand um, at <clears throat> Heroes of the Storm again, which I was a big fan of, but with the recent news... Um, with blizzard that we don't have to get into you can just google it yeah um, I, I don't really feel like playing their games right now until they come up with an appropriate response so i was kind of looking for something to to fill the void their response has been anything but appropriate <laughs> agreed yeah um so so yeah if, if you are a fan of blizzard and you want to show them um you know that that you care about these things um i would definitely sh- stop don't don't play their games uh until you know they they have a proper response or you know whatever you feel comfortable with but uh, i'll I'll leave that there but anyway for a moba i've been hearing rumblings about um uh pokemon unite um there was an announcement i think it was like last year that uh tencent um the chinese game giant yeah (laughs) just just i guess entertainment conglomerate now um, yeah. <clears throat> was funding this uh, small group of developers to make a uh, MOBA, which stands for Mo- uh, Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. Think of like uh, League of Legends or Dota 2 if, you've, if you're not familiar. Um, and they're making it for Switch first, and then it was it's coming out on mobile, and it will have cross-play and cross-save. So Great. Uh, J- July 21st, the Switch version came out. It's free-to-play with microtransactions for unlocking characters early or or uh, cosmetics there's also a a battle pass uh that you can buy that uh you like a lot of battle passes you get levels for it uh ordinarily and there are some tiers that are free but a lot of the tiers are locked especially the ones with cosmetic stuff so there you are yeah which is very fomo-y because i think i i haven't played that much but i've only gotten to like level 10 in the battle pass and I don't know if you accelerate faster if you buy it, but there's 90 levels. So it's like mm-hmm. you have to play for like three hours a day for the entire season. Well, but anyway, there's a there's a lot of time left on it. I think there's like probably three months left. So, oh, OK, then that's not so bad. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, the primary game mode is is 5v5 as as with uh, MOBAs as MOBAs go. And you play as a Pokemon and instead of taking down towers, you defeat uh, wild Pokemon or you defeat your opponents and they drop these little orbs of energy. And then you go to their score zone and you spike the energy down. You dunk on them. Um, yeah. You dunk on them. 
<clears throat> dunk it good. Yeah, you you absolutely dunk. <laughs> but uh, I told the guys about it. Um, we've all been playing kind of independently. I, I pick it up, you know, 20, 30 minutes, play a couple matches every day. Yeah. And it's it's really fun. I feel like the controls are really responsive. Um, they are. And, and it, they feel like they're uh, controls that are designed for mobile. They're very simple. <clears throat> but they are quite responsive and yeah generally feel quite good and the targeting is generally pretty smart i think you can tweak the logic of it but uh mm -hmm. it generally targets enemy pokemon over um like N npc jungle pokemon um yeah and it uh, prioritizes the lowest health target uh and you can also manually aim any of your skills as well not so mm -hmm. much your basic attacks but Garrett, you mentioned you play as a Pokemon. You uh, one of the cool mechanics in the game is that you play as their unevolved form. So you start as, as mm -hmm. their their base level, like say Charmander, and then as you as you fight, earn experience, and level up, then you'll evolve into Charmeleon and then Charmander. And I think that's a cool mechanic. Or yeah, Charmander back to Charmander. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, you, you guys think Charmander is my is my dude? <laughs> well, you said Charmander to Charmeleon to Charmander. Did I? Charizard. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you devolve. You just get fucking punched back down to base form. Oof. What's the name of the shark the shark guy? Shark boy. Lava are, girl? What? You're you're not I, thinking I of uh, Garchomp, are you? Garchomp? Yeah, Dude, I have Prob no idea probably what the, it's it's a shark shark man. Yeah. Start starts as Gibble. Wa walkie shark yep. man. Gibble. Yeah, that mm -hmm. little fat shark thing is uh is I should tell you she's like, What is this? It's I wanna play it. Really Gibble cool. and then to Gabite <laughs> and then Garchomp, I believe. Yeah. Gabite. <laughs> yeah, that's I one one of my favorites. Uh that that Pokemon in the regular games is in a class that's referred to as pseudo legendaries because their stats are like their stat pool is so good that they're almost on the level of a legendary pokemon and those are the pokemon that you usually encounter like in victory road for the first time so hmm. uh yeah gaibel garchomp whatever uh is good and that character is a lot of fun uh i think the one i've been playing most is slowbro because slowbro is basically like a a support tank like a, a lockdown sort of um a character that focuses on just keeping enemies in place so that your more damaging teammates can wail on them. Um, but also I have uh, come to find, and I think the the community in general from what I'm seeing has come to find that Gengar is also incredibly strong um, mm. because uh, you, you have a little bit of choice in the skills that you take. Um, you have two basic skills and then an ultimate skill, and each of your two basic skills can turn into a uh, like slightly different versions. So um, uh, I forget what the alternative is actually, but uh, Gengar can get uh, Sludge Bomb, um, which uh, I believe starts as Will-O-Wisp, where you just shoot out like burning uh, projectiles. Uh, but then Sludge Bomb um, hits an area with uh, poison, and then uh, your other skill can be become Hex, which uh, 
is a an attack on an enemy that teleports you to them and does some damage uh and it resets the cooldown if they have and does more damage if they have a status affliction such as poison from your sludge bomb Um, so you can just keep spamming hex on them and just completely obliterate someone uh, now I understand why I die all the time. From so Gengar. what what you're telling me is that the character I've been saving my my tokens for is Gengar. <laughs> yes, and I, I haven't I spent, spent any because I'm like <laughs> I don't know who I want to buy. <laughs> Your delicious chocolatey coins. I spent poorly. I chose Absol as the first Pokemon that I purchased with coins, uh, thinking, "Oh, Absol's cool," and uh, and I don't know anything about who I want to get, which I should have just saved until I knew. I, I was I was eyeballing Greninja, but I guess Gengar will be the way. I I haven't spent any. I have like twenty thousand coins, Ooh. and I'm just sitting on it. Um, the other night, I installed it on on my wife's Switch, and because um, <clears throat> she she seemed interested, she did the tutorial. I helped her out with the stuff. She did all the advanced tutorials, and then um, <clears throat> we usually have like one night that we just kind of hang out and and do something like some activity together, and uh, we ended up playing unite for like an hour and a half straight nice. just match after match after match after match and, and actually that's like a rank, nine rank matches match and, <laughs> yeah and and we uh we came out on top in a ranked match and and a couple of the random matches so um she's she's really liking it she, i think she played league of legends like once before <laughs> um and uh this will be yeah so so anyway it was really fun yeah, yeah. you you bring to Nick, you mentioned like an hour and a half being nine matches. That's if you have ever played any other MOBA, like that's kind of crazy to think about, right? And so, yeah, I yeah. really love how short the matches are. It's super well, like drop in, play one, drop out in like 15 minutes. You can get in, play game, get out, and it's great. Yeah, because match prep, so matchmaking is almost instant. Match prep is like a minute and a half, and then the actual game itself is 10 minutes, never goes over 10 minutes. There's it's no timed, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over time, um, have either of you guys played the other game modes, the the quick matches? Yes, I've only played the normal, whatever the the. I, I haven't even played enough to unlock ranked. <laughs> I've only played like five or six games so far. Okay, so Nick, tell tell him tell him what he's looking forward to. Uh, yeah, so quick match is cool. I forget the exact timer, but it's somewhere in the realm of five or six minutes. Oh wow, um, that's quick, <laughs> and it's four v four. Yeah, well, one of the modes is four v four. Yeah, so I've played four v four a fair amount, and then the three v three a little bit. Um, I got totally wrecked in three v three because uh, the maps are also in like t- entirely different. Um, uh, but you you level up faster. It's just sort of an accelerated version um, of of the game, and. Uh, yeah, it's a fun, quick little thing. Um, uh, 3v3 is maybe a little much, uh, particularly because it does away with the um, the sort of uh, the base destruction type aspect of it, where you have goal zones where when you score on them a certain amount, they get destroyed. Uh, in the 3v3 map, there are two goal zones, and um, they're like at at the opposite corners from the ones that you start at um, and you can score on either one and they never get destroyed. So there's not that sort of territorial turf war sort of aspect that I think is interesting. It would be really neat if they, 
like as this game goes if they add more game modes like i could see something it, it probably won't happen because it's you know like a moba but something like a, a capture the flag might be super fun in this format well you never know i mean league of legends back in the day experimented with a bunch of modes you know i know dota has a bunch of modes heroes mm-hmm. of the storm has a bunch of i mean yeah uh, what, what was the other one heroes of new earth like all of them oh, I, I don't i don't really <laughs> like mobas and i know everything about mobas that's funny because I, I feel like they're fun to watch but um, they are but yeah you know the sky's sky's kind of the limit yeah i played a lot of league of legends and a fair amount of dota but i also watched a lot of league of legends and dota and they're they're really interesting to watch because they're so tactical um and there there's the potential for individual skill to be shown off which is always exciting but there's also um like if if you have good commentators who know how to explain what's going on um it's super fun to watch and I yeah that's that was my first foray into watching competitive gaming and I still think it's kind of the the apex of that style. I think it's uh someone could probably correct me if I'm wrong but I think it's like the international has two streams they've got like the normal like we play Dota stream and then the the idiot mm-hmm. stream and <laughs> yes <laughs> I remember the when stream. when I tried to watch I tuned in once just out of curiosity and I was like I have no idea what's happening and my cousin who's played 6000 7000 hours of Dota was like nope you want to go to this one go to go uh-huh. to the for for dummies stream <laughs> yeah and then there's the other uh other languages um have their own streams too but yeah the english ones include one that is for dummies which is pretty great um it's awesome relatively recently formula one started doing something similar it's not quite the same uh but they uh they have a separate um commentary team that focuses more on the technical aspects of the race uh and isn't as focused on like the show as the broadcast uh regular what you'd see on espn uh version and that can be pretty interesting to watch well i mean it it has the same allure as you know if you're a fan of of sport i mean any sport motorsport team sport whatever it is a team sport and yeah if you've ever played one of these games before um, you can or played any type of team sport. You can understand the level of coordination, game knowledge, and skill that all comes together, and it, it's just really impressive. I every year I get engrossed, and I at least watch I think like the top eight of the Dota Two International because it's just so exciting and it's really fun to watch. Even though at some at most points I don't even know what's going on or what they're saying. Um, I didn't even know that there was a dummy stream. <laughs> I wish I would have known. Well, but now you it, can watch it this it, year. It's interesting and fun, and um, I would recommend anybody who who maybe hasn't given the genre a chance to um, check it out. Uh, it's yeah. it's pretty pretty interesting and engaging, especially if you like competition, if you're a competitive type person, or you particularly like participating in or watching team sport. It's uh it's very engaging. I think that's well, that's true for most uh, esports in general. Like you don't have to like the game, but and as Nick mentioned, like a good commentator goes a long way to making that uh, really enjoyable and able to be experienced, even if you don't know what's happening. Like I, yeah. most of my experiences with like Counter Strike, and I've been watching you know professional Counter Strike matches since like two thousand four or something. <laughs> so it's like seeing the the progression of of how that has come along, and now. 
I could sit down with my wife and she can watch it and she can tell what's happening even even though she's never touched the game nor does she have the desire to do so and so I think that's a pretty good testament to how far esports has come as a whole in terms of both the presentation and the broadcasting aspect of it totally yeah it's it's really impressive and it really is just another sport speaking of esports uh evo online 2021 um uh next weekend and the following weekend in august um i think they're only doing like a limited like five games so you know i always got to talk about fighting games is Um, guilty gears drive one of those of course it is i mean i just wanted to make sure i'll be watching that one (laughs) it's the uh yeah guilty gear it's the PS1 exclusive Evo, so they're playing like Bloody Roar and Tekken 2 and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Sentinels only. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the Gundam uh, Battle no, Assault um, 2. I think, um, I think with their schedule, um, they're doing only like four or five games. So they're doing Street Fighter V, Mortal Kombat 11, Great. Tekken 7, Guilty Gear Strive, and Skullgirls. Awesome. Uh, since it just had its recent update with the rollback netcode so yes. um, those are the the five games that uh, are going to be on the main stage uh well main main digital stage uh but uh, uh, uh my last piece of uh, news is that mortal Kombat is officially the greatest selling fighting game series of all time wow and, um, and uh, on top of that i read that mortal Kombat 11 is the highest selling game in the series so yes mm-hmm. yes so that makes sense. i think it was like over 50 million total copies sold or something like that across something all. crazy yeah and yeah. and it it exploded with mortal Kombat x and mortal Kombat 11 so um great job to the folks over at netherrealm for for making fun engaging uh uh fighting games and yeah i look forward to the heavily heavily rumored <laughs> marvel uh, uh, game <laughs> that's going to be created by Nether Realm. I'm really yeah. hoping that that's true. I want to see the whole crap out Captain America's spine. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> they they make games that are super satisfying to play and just like feel good, uh, no matter what skill level you're at. And so yeah, I've I've loved the MK games since I started playing them with MK versus DC. One of you two can probably shed light onto this, but um, I know that when Midway folded, I was kind of sad. I was like, man, is Mortal Kombat going to go away? And obviously it didn't. They formed a new studio and just kept trucking along and, and rebooted the series, and it's been bigger than ever. And so do you mm-hmm. guys – how long was that gap between when Midway shuttered and when NetherRealm started going? Do you guys Bare- know? Barely any – they, they were just uh, yeah. like fuck it let's go <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it was um it was warner brothers who gave them the funding to become okay. another realm studios right yeah because, because they was... acquired uh in the great midway diaspora of licenses warner brothers acquired the mk license and so they just uh got nether realm they they got the same people together and said just keep doing it okay um, cool yeah i didn't know yeah. i i wasn't fully certain because i had fallen off mortal Kombat by then like i was pretty into the series for a while and then i think shortly after deadly alliance i probably fell out and um yeah that makes sense the alliance was a high (laughs) point the other ones so it's like one two three and then there are some other ones and then deadly alliance and then other ones and then (laughs) mortal Kombat 9 which is just called mortal Kombat. yeah um versus dc was pretty good it was kind of like the beta test for nine but Mm -hmm. it had some fun ideas in it yeah 
Well, um, unless you guys have anything else, I figure we should uh, move on to our question of the week. I got nothing yeah. else except for a beer check-in, which is that I, I finished. <laughs> got else. Yeah, I finished the the nastiness that was in that growler. It was not Oof. good. Yeah, uh, it was. So after pouring some from the bottle, it's carbonated in a, a little bit, which I didn't know that it was like <laughs> flat in the growler. So that's why I was comparing it to Dr Pepper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so much better out of the bottle. Like I'm sure if it was a fresh keg or something, or at least not the literal bottom of the keg, it probably would have been better. But yeah, I didn't even realize this had any sort of carbonation until I poured the bottle and I took a sip and I went, "Whoa, this is bubbles." <laughs> yeah, it's totally yeah, different. I bought- I bought the pint, just the single pint bottle, and I think that that was a good move because I like it, but Are, is it, it a, just sits really heavy. Is it a pint or is it a pint and six ounces? Because that's the one that I got. Oh, you're right. I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah. Pint and six ounces. It's a big. So. It's a big bottle. Um, it's a big bottle. Like this is, this is good. Like I would, I would drink this and be like, that's my beer for the night. Yeah, like, I'm good. Like it's, it's very heavy. It, it's very stout like, very malt heavy, very chocolatey. Um, very delicious, but uh, this is this is I can only have a pint and six ounces, and then I think I'm taking a, a heavy nap. It's totally good, but it's definitely Stout Junior. Yeah, Stout Junior. Yeah, it's like a more drinkable Stout. <laughs> that I just want to do a quick checking because I thought it was very funny that it was I had such a different experience <laughs> with the bottle. Absolutely. Well, for our question of the episode, this comes from Zach on Facebook. Not me. Yep, different Zach, no C on this one. Shout out to this Zach. So this is the second of my old Counter-Strike buddies who has chimed in uh, from back when I was 14, 15, 16-ish. He he listens, yeah. Awesome. Wow. Well, uh, Zach, thank you for listening. Thank you for for, uh, submitting a question. Hopefully we do yours justice. Except for Um, he's an Angels fan, so fuck the Angels. (laughs) At first I was like, I don't know what that means. I went, ah, baseball. Okay, so... um, (laughs) So Zach's question uh, was, what video game boss is the biggest pain in the ass? And you know what, Zach, I want you to leave this one off. All right. Uh, so I had to think about it a little bit because nothing. So recency bias, because I just recently-ish finished Ari of Sorrow, fucking death in that game is so Oof. hard. All those is, floating sides, it is very difficult to dodge or break them all. Yeah, it's stupid. It's so frustrating. I've died like six or seven times in a row and wanted to just yeet my GBA across the room. But uh, <laughs> I think my pick, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to elaborate on too much because my memory is super foggy of it. But uh, the other one that came to mind pretty immediately was Emerald and Ruby Weapon from Final Fantasy VII. I can't yeah. remember which one of them was a bigger pain in the ass, but I think it was Emerald because you had a 20-minute timer to kill it unless you had a specific materia, and it just soaked so much damage. I remember we tried, like, this became a, a uh, almost like a community effort of my friends and I when we were kids to try and beat this guy in the 20-minute <laughs> timer without the materia to the point where we would do an attack, pause the game, write down how much damage it was, and then, like, unpause, do another attack, pause the game to try to figure out how much HP this fucking thing had because we couldn't kill it in the 20 <laughs> minutes. And so I just remember, it, like, it, it, it felt impossible. And when we finally, it, like, we cheered, we celebrated. It was so, it was such a, a great moment when we finally, when one of us finally beat it. Like, I don't think I ever even actually did on my own save, but uh, yeah, it was, I remember that Emerald Weapon from Final Fantasy VII was just the biggest pain in the dick. It's a totally optional boss that you can encounter. You do not have to fight it. You know, it's, 
Final Fantasy is known for having these optional, just extremely tough bosses, and that's one of them. And it is nice that they're optional. Oh my um, god! If it was mandatory, I think I would have quit the game. Like ne- it's it's that hard. <laughs> Neither of the two I'm going to talk about are mandatory, or uh, they are both mandatory rather. Neither of them are optional. But yeah, I, uh, I wish I could elaborate more. I, I I have vague memories of like the attack pattern being really important. We had to know like what it was going to like what each of the things it was going to do to how to prepare for it, you know. And uh, but I, it's been too long since I played it. I can't actually remember except for just vague feelings of fuck that green bitch. So <laughs> indeed, yeah, that's all. Uh, that's all I have. I don't have more uh, on the subject, unfortunately. Well, I I have a, a couple. Um, one is the recency bias option, which is the final boss of Sekiro, the Sword Saint. Um, I won't say more for spoilers sake, but uh, that boss feels impossible. There's just so much reach on their attacks, and um, uh, they're so constant and so difficult to parry. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's just... Uh, very difficult to keep up and at the end of a brutal game that felt doable this just kind of didn't feel doable and i still haven't finished that that's one of the very few actual souls games that i haven't beaten i guess i did think of a third again recency bias but nick you can you can appreciate this one the final aeon in final fantasy 10 is really freaking hard oh yeah i didn't beat that one either <laughs> <laughs> yeah we talked about that i gave up uh, on that it's, sorry it's to so yours, brutal but but yeah, that's he he was extremely hard. I did I did squeak it out barely, but yeah. Yeah, I same I that was on on my list as well. Um uh, but I I did think you were going to to bring it up so I didn't didn't think about <laughs> it. Um but the other one I'm going to mention is also from a Souls game. Uh it is Ornstein and Smog from uh, Dark Souls 1. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, this is another mandatory boss, and it is... Uh, uh, it's also... I probably made it harder on myself by the way that I did it. Um, but there's a, a good reason for that. Uh, this this is kind of your regular, like, very powerful knight-type boss uh, in Dark Souls, um, which is fine, except that there are two of them. And so you have to, like, even two regular enemies is kind of a challenge in Dark Souls because it takes so much focus and concentration to, uh, and, like, pattern management to find the right time to attack so that you don't get just totally blown up. Uh, and so two bosses is very difficult. Um, and I made it even harder on myself because the boss that you kill second there is a merchant that you can buy their armor from, and I really, really wanted Ornstein's armor. Um, <laughs> and so I killed Smog first, which uh, is easy in the first half of the fight because he's the slower one with a hammer, but it makes the second half of the fight really difficult because the other boss basically absorbs uh, the one that you defeated and gets more powerful. And Ornstein mm-hmm. being the tougher boss is a lot harder when he's uh, really powerful. So I spent a long time. I think I spent a good marathon of like four more hours on it. And I, I was cheering when I finally beat it. Um, this is why <laughs> I don't play these games. This sounds miserable. Yeah, I, I, en- I enjoyed it. I wouldn't have stuck with it if I hadn't enjoyed it. And, um, but it was, it was so satisfying uh, finishing it and feeling like I had grown as a player. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, like skill skill wise and like patterns and things, it's like the same. <clears throat> it's the same rush that I get from like defeating a monster for the first time in Monster Hunter. Yeah. And the reason that I really like that type of series and and it's just not for everybody. And and I th- don't think that the Monster Hunter go- games or the Souls games are are real Zach games. <laughs> no, but they're like Zach's a, Zach's a baby. Yeah, they're satisfying. <laughs> no. It- it's it's not that you're a baby. It's just you oh, know I'm self declaring myself a baby. <laughs> you're like you mean I can't pause and hit, press my attack button <laughs> and I'm safe. Oh. No, you're never safe, Zach. No, you're never safe. Never ever. We'll call them the ne- we'll call them the never safe games. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's my my piece, Garrett. How about you? So hold, I've got uh, hold one... on, Garrett. Garrett, can oh. I pause you for uh-huh. one sec? So Nick, you you said this was Dark Souls one. Yes. Is that the hardest boss in any of the Dark Souls games? Uh I, I I've never played any of them, so I, I don't act, I have no idea. Maybe it it might be. It was the most difficult for me at least because I specifically wanted to kill Ornstein last. Right. Um I there are very difficult bosses in others of those games. I actually um Artorius is probably mm. the hardest boss. Artorius is really um, hard from the DLC for one. Okay. The the one I had the most trouble with was in three, and I I can't even remember their name. I'm bad with names, but um, <clears throat> it's an optional boss where you fight him and his dragon. He's a dragon rider in three. You know what I'm talking about? And and the dragon shoots lightning around the arena as you fight the. Yeah. So I believe that's Ornstein, the dragon rider. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> so the dragon <laughs> knight. So yep. there you go. Yeah, continuing go. his legacy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, being to, a dick. sorry to interrupt you, Garrett. I was just curious because these are games that, oh, no. that I've not mm. played, nor will I probably ever play because fuck no. Yeah, and they're like, I I consider Bloodborne and Sekiro to be Souls games, and um, I think yeah. I think the Sword Saint at the end of, um, of Sekiro is the hardest boss in any of those games that I've ever faced. The first, like, uh, I guess it's probably going to be a Souls-like game, but the first one I'll ever play is probably going to be Elden Ring because I okay. am very interested in it, but I think I'll hate it. <laughs> uh, I, I would recommend Bloodborne to you then because it shares a lot of visual DNA with Bloodborne at least, and Bloodborne is particularly accessible because it rewards aggression in a way that uh, the main series Dark Souls games really don't. Um, and mm-hmm. Sekiro is kind of complicated with all the gadgets and things that you have to use, but Bloodborne is a little simpler. Um, and yeah, there's no option to block. Would you be surprised you if I parry. told you I owned Bloodborne? No, because no, I, I think know. it was on PlayStation <laughs> Plus. I no, you, pr- you probably own all the Dark Souls games accidentally. <laughs> you probably have like Demon Souls on PS3, like sitting in a box somewhere. I found Bloodborne for two dollars once at a thrift store, and I was like, oh, "I'll get this. Why not?" Hey, nice. <laughs> and I think I do own all the Dark Souls games on Steam. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Fantastic. Well, my I have one, and then <clears throat> an honorable mention. Um, so number one is um, from Hollow Knight, uh, which is Grim, the Troop Master, from oh my one of the God, DLCs. Fuck that guy. So <laughs> I ended up beating him after hitting my head into several walls. Uh, it was just terrible, and I remember like 
almost snapping my controller in half. Oof. I wasn't playing on Switch, so it wouldn't be my Switch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was playing on PC, but I eventually beat him, only to find that when you fight the Dream version, uh, what is it? It's the oh, the Nightmare King Grim that he's even worse. And so I was <laughs> like, I'm not going to. I I tried to fight him like three times, and I was like, I'm yeah. just done. Fuck this like, noise. I, like the troop master grim made me quit hollow knight Oof. it made me not even go through i mean like i i i finished the main game and then i finished the alternate ending of the main game and then i got all the way through the grim troop um and then i was just like i'm done i didn't do any of the godfall stuff i had forgotten about this guy so much apparently i wiped it from my memory cuz yeah fuck that guy i also like i this I, I think I mentioned when I was playing this game. I flexed my switch a few times, like ah, in frustration, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that guy was super hard. I saw you had to fight him again. I said, no, nope, I'm good. Nah, <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I ever got to him. Uh, I never quite finished that oh. game, but I really really need to because I'm very close to the end. But that's one yeah. to go back to. And there are several several endings with just more bosses and more bosses it just <laughs> will haunt your dreams forever uh, or it won't and you can be just normal that game has a number just... of boss fights that are really hard like um the first time you get to the mantis um uh, yes God, the, mantis lords? The, the mantis lords they're really fucking hard yeah yeah would you be mad if I said that I beat them on the first try? Because and I thought that they're one of the easiest bosses in the game. <laughs> Not mad, but I'd be impressed. Yes, uh, it also yeah, kind I, of. I died. I died so many times. <laughs> uh, I found them not that difficult when I got like went back to them after doing a lot more other stuff because mm-hmm. it's somewhat optional. It like unlocks a shortcut basically that makes some things much easier to get to, but. Uh, I I came back to them after a long time and found them not too difficult. But when I first got there, I was not ready. Well, my uh, my honorable mention is the Gears of War one final boss, General Ram. Ah. Um, not on on playing on the most brutal difficulty, which I forgot. It's been a while since I played. I think it starts with an I impossible. Maybe it's impossible. That anyway, right. it doesn't matter. So I was so into Gears of War, as I've said um, before on the podcast and uh, my dad and I would frequently play the last level of Gears of War um, on Impossible or Insane or whatever and handedly defeat General Ram. And then um, the Coalition picked up uh, the, the game, you know, the, the dev studio that split off from Microsoft Game Studios. And um, they made Gears of War Ultimate Edition, mm-hmm. which was kind of the, the remaster. And I was like, okay, let me go through this game again. I know it very well. I used to play co- like endless co-op and multiplayer in that game. So I played through and I was like, oh, this is easy. So I kicked it up to impossible or whatever. Insane. Got through the whole game. Fine. Get to General Ram. And they must have changed. In my head, they changed the coding for this boss because the stupid uh, krill, I believe they're called, yeah. like the little black birds that like fly at you and, and hurt you and damage you. They're just everywhere at all times and you die from like a hit or two. And I got all the way through the game and got to the end and uh, never actually finished Gears of War Ultimate Edition on Insane because I just couldn't. I just couldn't Ugh. do it anymore. It made me completely quit. I, I just... I couldn't do it. No achievement for you, Garrett. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's similar with me with Sekiro. I kind of do care. I get this draw to come back to it 
uh, every once in a while. But I, the last time I did, I put on uh, a jazz album. I put on a kind of blue by Miles Davis as a like relaxing, <laughs> focusing uh, method. And I told myself, if I don't beat this boss by the end of this album, I'm just going to move on. Uh, and I didn't. And so uh, there we go. Um, and that, and now I'm going to get a message from you in Discord in three days being like, I'm playing Sekiro again. Yeah. Well, now that I have an Xbox Series X, it's going to look real nice. So I can see all the beautiful special effects of this like field of lilies or whatever. I forget exactly what the uh, the final boss location looks like, but I believe it's a field of flowers. Um, and it'll run at uh, 60 frames. So Yeah. All right. Uh, so what I'm what I'm hearing is that uh, you guys love from software. Is this correct? Yes. Yeah, it's I do. Safe to say, I, I, I say like that. them. I'm not. I'm I'm not in love with them. All I right. Like them. So f- they're good. I'll what, go with the you, love. What I'm going to do is one of my options for the way too late podcast review when it's my turn is going to be Kingsfield, which is like <laughs> a terrible <laughs> first person RPG that they put out on the PS1. Ooh. Why? Nobody's going to pick it, but I hope they do just to just to ruin from software you, you, never... you should just do a from software full full triad of like uh 3d dot game heroes and <laughs> just their um, their non-hard games actually kingsfield i think is hard but yeah Krusty. so there's yeah what was that mech game that they did oh i didn't know they did a mech game that's interesting um were were the armored core games then I think they. I ooh, I have no idea. Um, mm, not sure. The only mech game that, when you say mech game, the, literally the only thing that came to mind was Mech Warrior. So, <laughs> well, uh, some part of my brain is broken. I thought of Chrome Hounds. I have um, never oh, heard of that before. Uh, so they did make the Armored Core games. They also made Chrome Hounds. <laughs> <laughs> Chrome Hounds uh, is a great name. I've never heard of this. But great, that's a, it's a. It's a 360 mech game. It's not terrible, but it's makes not me think of great. Metal Dogs, which makes me think of Metal Wolf Chaos, where you play as the president of the United States in a mech suit, and it's really ridiculous. <laughs> um, yep, never came out in America, by the way, despite being about the um, uh, the American president. And guess who made Metal Wolf Chaos? From software. Uh, s- yep. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. From- they did it. They released it like uh, a couple years ago, didn't they? They did. So they finally put it out in the U.S. in some like enhanced edition. What um, did it originally come out on? Uh, Xbox, original Xbox. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've heard of this game actually in like a weird article of like Xbox games that never made it to the U.S., which is super weird because the Xbox like yeah. fucking sucked in Japan. Yeah. So it's super weird that there's a Japan exclusive Xbox game. Yeah, to- totally puzzling. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, how about the Adventures of Cookie and Cream? That's never heard uh-huh. of it. But that sounds terrible. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look great. I think I've watched a speed run of it. Sounds like a sounds like an Oreo uh, like advert game, like Yo Noid or something. Yeah, it's a it's well, like a co op platformer. You know. <laughs> well. Um... With that bombshell, uh, let's move <laughs> on to our final thoughts of the beer check-in. Uh, yeah, this this is great. Uh, no surprise. I've had this a lot. It's kind of my go-to beer to get with a meal because it is the only one I need. I don't have to buy a second one. Um, 
How could you drink this and eat a meal? I know, right? <laughs> uh, that's how you get leftovers. As, as, as we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think... You eat four fries and drink this. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is good. Um, I... I would. I, I have another uh, bottle in my fridge. I'm totally gonna drink it. It's really tasty. Um, after, so initially I was like, "Man, this is really not that good." But it turned out that the uh, the little the dribblings from the keg were really bad. So the one, <laughs> once I opened the bottle, uh, I really appreciated this a lot more. Um, it tastes great. Um, it's super. Uh, man, like I said, I, I referenced it before. A stout junior. That's really what I feel like. It's it's. Got a lot of the similar flavor notes as a stout has, but it's not quite as heavy. Uh, but it's still heavy, and I, I I think I'm with Garrett. I don't think I could drink more than a bottle of this at a time. Yeah, um, I'm coming up on the tasty. end of my my pint and six ounces bottle, and uh, yeah, I'm not not having yeah, anything else. <laughs> I've I've got about half a glass left of the last of my bottle. Um, this will be my third glass since I had the the terribleness from the growler. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I, I, I've looked at this before. I've wanted to try it. Like I said, I've tried the PB and Death version, which I think this is better than that. Uh, if I, from the vague amounts that I remember of that one, but yeah, what, what do you think, Garrett? Well, I think one phrase defines this beer, and it's quality over quantity. Yeah. I really think that the way that it describes itself as a smooth dark ale, dark smooth ale. Excuse me, dark smooth ale, <laughs> dark. Dark first, smooth second, ale third. Yep. Um, it is, is you know, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It, it, it. it tastes really, really, really good. And I feel very satisfied only having one. Whereas, you know, I kind of compare it to the last beer that I drank, which was the Ollie, which I really, really enjoyed. I drank four cans of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if maybe it was just the week. <laughs> yeah. or, or what what had happened in my frame of mind at that time. But, like. I have this and I'm I'm full, I'm content. I feel like yes. it, it it hit all the right things on my taste buds and I excuse me, hiccup and burp at the same time. Oh man. Um <laughs> uh it tastes very, very good. I would highly recommend it as like um maybe on a colder day or yeah, on a on a colder day outside. Um just sitting outside in like wall warm fall air. And uh, drinking a pint of this would be kind of just like perfect. Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah, and you wouldn't need to go back inside for a refill. Not totally great for the weather we have right now, but no uh, apologies for that. <laughs> um, I, no, I mean it's a it's a good beer anytime because I have AC. So yeah, uh, fuck you, Garrett. Uh, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I have AC downstairs, <laughs> not in the room I'm recording in, which is very hot right now. Um, oh. I, I'm totally gonna probably go uh, try to get a, a actual growler of this when they refill their keg and uh, see how it <laughs> compares to the bottled version for real. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is this is probably gonna be something I pick up again. Um, I've mentioned before I don't usually pick up repeat beers very often, and so mm-hmm. I think that's pretty uh, pretty high praise from me. Yeah. Absolutely, well, I'm glad you all liked it. <laughs> Yeah, no, great, great pick, Nick. Uh, thank you. Why, thank you. And uh, with that, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Cohops Podcast. And uh, where can we find you, Nick? Uh, I am at nprinzing on Twitter and at nicholas.prinzing on Instagram. Zach? I am on Twitter at ZachHasNoPants. And Twitter and Instagram for myself at GMank16. Thank you all for listening. 
We'll see you next week.